Blog Talk Radio. And Pure Gold is live and on the air for this Thursday night, February 10th, 2011. Welcome once again to the show that covers sports, life, and everything in between. We've got a great show lined up for you tonight, as always. My name is Joe, just business Pacino, and as always, seated parallel to me, my tag team partner and co-host, David Gomez, a.k.a. DG, a.k.a. Daily Grind. DG, how are you tonight, sir? Sir, I am on cloud nine for reasons that I cannot explain at this point, but you will be one of the first to know. Things are going great, sir. How are you? I'm doing good. It's always bittersweet to, uh, you know, it's our Thursday show, so we close out the week, so we have to wait until Tuesday to do our next show, so it's always bittersweet. But as always, before we get underway, DG, please give give out the contact information. Yes, sir. As always, the call-in line, if you'd like to be a part of our show, 714-364-4721. Our email address, as always, puregoldpg at yahoo.com. You can follow us at Twitter, puregoldpg. Our YouTube channel, puregoldpg. Our Facebook, puregoldpg. And as always, JB and myself write articles for sportsrages.com. Thanks, DG. I know we have a special guest to open the show tonight, so I'll let you do the introduction. Yes, sir. Folks, it gives me great honor and a great privilege to introduce to you, all the way from California, we have the one and only Mr. Anthony Tyler Quinn, who has been on uh, great shows like Boy Meets World, and he's, folks, he's been all over. He uh, was recently in a movie called No Greater Love that my wife and I saw, awesome film. Anthony, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great, guys. How are you doing? Can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. Good, yes, sir. good. What's happening in Jersey? I'm feeling a little Jersey-licious right now, I think. <laughs> Joe, what's happening in Jersey? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. It's Jersey, so, you know. What is, it you cold? is it cold there? Yes. It's there about is. 20 degrees. Yeah, it's about 20 degrees. <laughs> that's cold. That's, that's yeah, cold. Yeah, it is. <laughs> how, how is it over on the West Coast? Uh, it's pretty nice. Today was about 72, possibly high for the day, and uh, at night it gets a little chilly. For us, it's chilly. You know, anything, I always say, anything below 40 is too cold for me, so. Wow. I yeah. guess I'm a little I'm I, a little spoiled. I already hate you, Anthony. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Anthony, welcome to the show. Uh, why don't you tell the audience what got you into acting, and was it always a lifetime, like a lifelong dream of yours? Uh, pretty much when I was a kid, it was something I always wanted to do. I felt like it was, uh, I guess, sort of a calling more than anything else. And, um, when I was 19, I decided to, uh, try and pursue it professionally. So I moved out to Southern California and just kind of threw my hat in the ring. And, you know, here I am 28, 29 years later. Wow. Uh, I mean, did you, did you think that the success that you've had, uh, throughout your career, did you think that um, you'd get this far in your life in terms of acting? Well, I, you know, I'm very grateful for the uh, the successes that I've had. I mean, certainly, you know, when you when you try to pursue something, you, you you visualize yourself that you're going to be successful. I don't think that I ever started out going, I'm never going to get anywhere, because then you might not even try it. But in reality, as you continue to pursue things, you know, you, you wind up, I, I've been able to work with people that um, I always admired uh, when I was a kid. So uh, it, it's it's just been a dream come true to, to work with people like James Kahn and Ernest Borgnine and Dick Van Dyke. I mean, it, you know, I, I watched their work from, from when I was a little boy. So to be on the set with them, sharing the screen with them, it's like, really? Dude, somebody pinch me. You know, am I dreaming? <laughs> right. I mean, th- that sounds great. I mean, ju- I-, I do admire anybody that does, you know, 
uh, dedicate their life to a long life dream, and I'm glad that you're fulfilling it. And um, you know, continue wish wish you best of luck. So, uh, DG, I know you have a question. Yes, sir, um, Anthony. Looking at your movie and your uh, your television resume, uh, you've done a lot of well-known shows. You've guest starred on um, you know more recent shows for our, our younger listening audience, like House, you know, The Mentalist, uh, Cold Case. And in the past, you've been on uh, on shows like Just Shoot Me. Uh, I remember seeing you on Third Rock from the Sun in one episode. You even had a recurring role on Melrose Place, and of course, where we know you best from. Mr. Turner, Boy Meets World, you did that for four years. Um, you know, you've also done movies like Black Sheep, and uh, you did No Greater Love, which, like I said, which is basically what got us here in the first place. My wife and I saw it through our church, and we loved it. And looking at you, I knew I had seen you from somewhere. I, I'm like, man, this guy looks so familiar. I thought for a second that you were the dad from Boy Meets World. I just saw him on Cold Case the other day, but then I was like, no, something is off. And I realized you were, you know, Mr. Turner. Um but speaking about all of that, if you could narrow everything down, all the many works that you've done, do you have a favorite role that you've ever done? And if so, why? Um, I, I don't necessarily have a favorite role because I think, I think my favorite role is always the one that I'm currently working on because that's the one you're closest to. Uh, all, all the experiences that I've had really, um, you know, with every particular role, they all have special places in my memory uh, and special moments. Um, so I can't really, you know, pick out one and say that was my all-time favorite part or my all-time favorite show. Uh, you know, it's funny that you you mentioned about uh, a Boy Meets World. I, I'll give you a little bit of a backstory if I could go on for a couple of minutes. Is that is that okay? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Um, I knew previously, I knew the executive producer, uh, creator of the show, Michael Jacobs. Uh, he and I had worked together on a pilot for a potential series for Fox. And that was a, it was a pilot with me and Jason Bateman and Willie Garson and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. And it was a really funny show. But that's where I fi- uh, first met my, uh, Michael as a, as a writer and a producer. And we developed a really good working relationship and uh, a pretty good friendship. And he was also working on another show, a pilot for a series for ABC at that time, uh, his company. And uh, Willie was telling me about it. And it was called, at that time, it was called the Ben Savage Project. And I didn't know who Ben Savage was. And Willie was telling me that it was uh, Fred's little brother. And I said, oh, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know Fred had a little brother, you know. So our show <laughs> yeah. wound up not getting picked up. We didn't get picked up. And it was too bad because it was a really funny show. And then... Uh, a little while later, Michael had brought me in to actually read for the part of the father on the show, on, on uh, Ben's new show. So I came in and I read, and I did really well, and they wound up bringing me to network. And then when I got to network at ABC, I wound up reading with Ben at the time, and that's where I first met Ben Savage. And I think he was, I think, maybe 10 at the time, and, and he was just a great kid. And, uh, you know, we worked really well off each other, and we had great chemistry uh, but the network, uh, I guess, decided that I was too young to play the father and whatnot. So the following season, Michael brought me back in to read for the role of Mr. Turner, and then I wound up getting that part and spending, you know, a number of odd years with uh, a great group of people. Yeah. Wow, that's, uh, you know, that's interesting because, uh, like I said, that, that's what we remember you from. That's what I remember you from specifically because I was a big fan of that show. I think pretty much for the first couple of years when you were on it, as it got a little bit on, um, I, I kind of stopped watching it. But, um, you know, seeing you in that and then uh, seeing you in other in other things, it's just it's just so interesting to me, so fascinating because I saw you grew up in Connecticut. Well, according to, you know, what I read, you were born in Connecticut, but you said you moved out to California when you were 19. What made you leave the uh, the East Coast? Was it the uh, the wonderful weather that you were talking about? Well, actually, I didn't grow up in Connecticut. Um, I was born in Connecticut, and then my parents, uh, my mom and my dad, lived in Brooklyn, New York. And then right. uh, when I was born in Connecticut, my mom left Connecticut because that, she didn't live there. She was just visiting there, and we went back to Brooklyn, and I stayed in Brooklyn with my parents because I was a baby. Um, for a couple of years, and then my mom uh, moved to the Midwest to a town called Rockford, Illinois, and that's where I oh, spent wow. the next 17 years or so. And uh, it was it's kind of an interesting thing. I mean, you know, Rockford's a, a nice town, whatever, but I, I don't know if you guys have ever felt this way, but I always just kind of felt like I grew up in the wrong town, the wrong city. I just felt like there was really nothing there for me, and I, fi- I kind of felt like my, my sights were elsewhere, and I always had my eye on the West Coast. 
And uh, 19, when I finally got up enough courage to come out here, uh, when I finally got here, I looked, just took one look around and said, man, I'm, I'm definitely home. This is where I should be. <laughs> it's funny you said it because I've been to Illinois, and uh, I can see why you would have left. No offense to those people in Illinois. My brother was out in the Midwest, and, uh, you know, uh, if you talk about cold, that, that's much worse. But I know that uh, that Joe has a, has a question that he'd like to ask. Yeah, Anthony, um, let me ask you, um, how do you decide, I, I'm always fascinated by this, but the, about the process about how actors decide on which roles to take, so how do you decide on which roles to take, and what do you have upcoming uh, for you in the movies or in TV sitcom, what do you have coming on for you? Um, how I decide, it, you know, it's really kind of an interesting process, I mean, actors, anytime you tell an actor that he's he's working, I mean, that automatically means you take the part, you know. Right. Um, but I really like to take parts that, that speak to me as I, as I read the material, as I look at the character, I look at the subject matter. Uh, does it really resonate with me? Sometimes as an actor you get impressions from, from what you're reading and the character that you're reading, and the character really comes to life and you feel like you you really understand this character and you know what he wants, you know what how he breathes, you know how he moves. So when you get all those feelings and impressions from a particular piece of material, you think, I really want to do this. Um, so if they let me do it, I really want to do it, whether it's you know extremely good money or not so great money, you want to do it because you really connect with the material. Other than that, you take work because actors just take work. I mean, it almost seems silly uh, in in my line of work to turn things down or to say no to something simply because you know it's you know on a sitcom or on a, whatever it may be um but that's how i decide on on what roles i want to take you know um but in terms of uh things that are coming out now i just i just finished a film uh that i guess it's out on dvd it came out on dvd um the, uh, right around christmas time possibly of last year it's a, it's a film called A Christmas Snow that I had a small role in that I really like, and I, we went to a screening sometime in I think November, and uh, I really enjoyed it, and I, I thought it was a pretty good movie. Oh, okay, okay, that's that's definitely uh, interesting. Uh, I have a question for you relative to this. It's uh, actually comes from one of our fan emails. Um, again, looking at the resume you've done, it's quite a list of successful and popular shows, but. When you make an appearance on a show like, let's say, for example, Dexter, where the main character is a, uh, you know, serial killer, um, I mean, I've never watched the show, but I've heard, you know, it's a very popular show. Um, this actually ties into another question that I have, but let me just kind of ask, like, how does that fit in with uh, with your beliefs and whatnot? I mean, I'm, I'm going to ask you about your faith and everything in a little bit, but how, how does that, the roles that you take, is there any conflict in, in taking one role versus another role based on the subject matter? <laughs> oh sure, sure. That always comes into play. I mean, because first and foremost, that's that's who I am. I mean, uh, you know, Jesus Christ defines me. So everything that I do, uh, I try to make decisions based on on that foundation. So uh, with a show like Dexter, I've never watched the show myself. Uh, I don't even think I watched the episode that I did. But when I read the the material that they sent me, all I had was the the scenes that I was in and I just thought okay well everything that I'm doing in this is I, I it's nothing there's nothing objectionable morally speaking I, I you know I was just I played a dentist I played actually Dexter's dentist so I didn't assume that there was anything in there that would conflict with my belief system uh, yeah. so I assumed it was uh, it was okay to do um, now there's been other things I just recently uh, Fran Drescher you guys know who Fran Drescher is yeah yeah, yeah of course you Nanny Okay. Okay. Well, she's. I guess she's. Uh, she's uh, kind of working on a new show. Um, I don't know much about it, but um, I was called in to read for it, and um, let's just say that the material conflicted with my worldview. So I decided that I wasn't going to go in and read for it. Okay. That's uh, that's actually pretty interesting because um, you know, again, a fan actually asked me this. Somebody who listens to the show and he knew you were going to come on and remembered you. So it's one thing that that uh, fascinated me as well. It's, you know, it's something that I just said, okay, well, let me let me see how he feels about that. And this actually ties into my next question. You know, I saw the special features on No Greater Love. There's a part where you talk about your faith, uh, and obviously you've discussed a little bit here. But what led you to become a Christian? You know, when did you make that decision in your life? 
Uh, well, I didn't really make the decision. As Jesus says, I, you didn't choose me, I chose you. God called me out. Um, I, was true, not, true. Uh, I was not seeking after him. I was not, I was, I, you know, I didn't really have in my mind uh, to, to pursue Christ at all until he came into my life and gave me a new heart and changed me and called me out to follow after him. Uh, it was about 1988 or 89 when, when God did that. And, uh, you know, he's been hanging on to me ever since. That's awesome. Definitely good stuff. JB? Yeah. Anthony, if, if someone came up to you, let's uh, say somebody came up to you and asked you advice on, on you know, what would it be to be an actor and, you know, the good things, the bad things, what advice would you give an upcoming actor? <clears throat> you have to excuse me. I've been uh, <clears throat> dealing with a, a world-class case of laryngitis, so hopefully my voice doesn't sound too bad. Um, I, I, uh, I, I hesitate sometimes to give people advice because, you know, the entertainment industry, uh, it's, it's not an exact science. So you can't necessarily say to someone, do this, this, and this, and you'll get here, you know, a plus B doesn't always equal C. Um, if I tell someone, <laughs> the first thing I would say is don't do it. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> If uh, you know the easiest thing to do is uh, is get yourself some pictures done, get a nice you know range of headshots, uh, something that you feel really represents you, who you are, and then try to get a list of agencies in the local area. I mean, if you're really serious about it, if you really believe that God has called you uh, to pursue a career in the entertainment industry, um, first of all, my advice would be to pray and ask God to show you the way. Uh, but practical steps you can take is to get your pictures done, find a list of agencies in the area that would represent actors, um, and then send your pictures out with a, you know whatever resume. If you've done regional theater or if you haven't done anything, just say that you haven't done anything, but you have certain skills and you know your height and weight and whatever, and send them out to the agencies. And uh, if the agencies like your look, they'll bring you in, and then possibly they'll send you out for you know maybe commercial work in the area or locally or whatever. And, uh, the next thing to do would be to go out and audition for those things, and then the last thing to do would be to book the job. Right, of course. Uh, but uh, in terms of in terms of if you really believe that you have skills, by all means, I th I would say you'll never know until you try. Um, if you're you have to be prepared, though. I mean, you, you're going to have to be willing to take massive doses of rejection. <laughs> uh, there's, it's a lot. There's a lot of competition. Um, it's it's definitely uh, not for the thin-skinned individual. You, you know, you have to deal with setbacks and uh, disappointments and stuff like that. But I mean, for me, it's it's the best work in the world. I mean, when you're working with people and you're banging on all cylinders and uh, you know the work is is really where it needs to be. It's just there's nothing better, you know. Right. Yeah. Let me ask you too. Um, how important is it to have a, an agent that you could actually trust? I mean, that sounds like an obvious answer. And how did you go about choosing your agent? Um, well, when you're just a beginning actor, um, you, you know, no, agencies that you trust, I mean, for, if any agency asks you for money up front, then obviously that's not an agent that you can trust. Because as an actor, you don't have to pay them unless you work, and then you pay a commission. Um, but any actor, I mean, now sometimes maybe an, an agent will say to you, I know a photographer, and then they may hook you up with a photographer that says this guy takes really good headshots. But then you should pay the photographer, not necessarily the agent, unless the photographer has, you know, worked out a deal with the agency or, or something of that nature. Um, but you meet with them. Um, you know, remember that as the actor, the agent is working for you. And, you know, it's a collaborative effort, but ultimately – you know, you're the boss, so you don't have to go in there, and if you don't get a good vibe from that person, you don't have to sign with them. Um, so just, you know, basic people skills, if you like them and uh, you sign with them, it's I think it's a standard 90-day thing that you work with that person if the relationship doesn't really work out or if you don't really feel like you're getting out like you feel you should, you can always terminate the contract and, and try the, the next person. But uh, never, ever, ever... You never have to pay an agent until you, they book you a job, and then it's only a commission. Right. Okay. I don't know if that answers your question. So. No, it definitely does, Anthony. Um, one of my final last thoughts, and um, 
This is almost like a, a uh, not a rant, but just a, a little bit of badly question. But uh, hear me out, Anthony. I got. I, I okay. really got to be honest with you. I, I, I got to be honest with you. Um, I turned um, when I was a kid. I, I I started watching Boy Meets World because I was flipping through the channels one day and uh, I came across a voice on the show, and I and I couldn't put the the voice to where I heard you know where I heard it before. So. Um, I watched a couple shows and I, I still couldn't, you know, put the voice. And then eventually, um, I heard Mr. Feeney's voice was the voice of Mr. William Daniels, and I found out that obviously William Daniels is the voice of Kit from Knight Rider. You follow me so yes. far, Anthony? <laughs> yes. So when I found, when I found out that, you know, because Knight Rider obviously for me was my favorite show of all time. Once I found out yeah. that Mr. Feeney, William Daniels, the principal on Boy Meets World was the voice of Kit. I was hooked just for the fact that I had to hear the guy's voice because I, I love William Daniels. Obviously, I love Knight Rider. So what was it like working for um, a guy, working with a guy like William Daniels? And did you grow up watching Knight Rider yourself? Um, no, actually, I know I know of the show Knight Rider. Actually, an, uh, an old buddy of mine was, uh, was on that show. He's a black actor named Pete Peros. He was on the show. Uh, oh, I know, yeah. He- yeah, he he does a couple. He did some soap operas too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a great guy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I never watched the show, but I did, however, um, you know, Bill Daniels. He, he's he's an actor that's been around for years and years and years. I mean, he's worked with everybody. Um, and you know, he, obviously, he was on Saint Elsewhere. So anytime, you know, for me to work with somebody that has such a distinguished resume that has worked with such big people. Uh, it's just an honor to be able to share the stage with them. And, and he was just a gentleman. He was a sweet guy. We had a lot of laughs. Um, you know, it was, it was wonderful to be able to be a part of that show. And anytime, anytime an actor gets to be a part of a cast like that, I mean, you automatically become family. Because, and I know it probably sounds cliche, but it really does. It happens. And for that time and for that place that you're in, you develop these really intense, close relationships with the people that you're working with. It's a very creative environment, and that being in that environment, it's very supportive and nurturing. Everybody wants everybody else to succeed. So to be a part of that and to be in that environment, it's just wonderful because, you know, I want you to do good, you want me to do good, and you support each other. The wardrobe people want you to look good. You want to look good in their clothes. The makeup people want you to look good. So, you know, when you get to be a part of that, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty special. Anthony, yeah, well, if you if you send me your okay. address, I'll send you I'll send you the DVDs of Knight Rider. I mean, you're missing out on a great show. <laughs> talking car, a talking car. You know, in the future, I mean, you can't beat that. You know. And David oh, Hasselhoff. Lord. I mean, come on. Yeah. Well. Exactly. The funny thing, the funny thing, Anthony, is that this guy is is a complete nut because this is all he talks about. He's like, oh, Knight Rider, it's my favorite show. They had this cancellation of the the. They did a remake of it with, like, a newer version, and they canceled it, and Joe was going nuts about it for weeks. And, you know, we're friends. We've been friends for a very long time, so I have to hear him ramble about this. But uh, before we uh, before we close out the uh, the interview, we actually have a couple of callers who uh, would like to talk to you, some fans of yours. So uh, first off, I'm going to go to Yvonne from Avenel. Yvonne, how are you doing? You are on the air with Pure Gold and Mr. Anthony Tyler Quinn. Well, hello, everyone. Hi, Anthony. How is everyone doing today? Hi. Good, I'm good. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Um, I just want to say um, I watched recently the movie No Greater Love, and I was extremely blessed by it. I think that you and the entire cast did a wonderful job in presenting the message. Um, I have a question for you in regards to the character that you played. Um, What would you say was the most challenging part for you in playing the role of Jeff in No Greater Love? Um. I think always the most challenging parts are, are reaching those depths of emotion that um, you have to get to to make, you know, to make an impact. Uh, and sometimes you have to go to painful places to, to get there, at least I do. And, and it's always a challenge because you have to be sort of raw emotionally with the other actors and the people that you're trying to connect with. And it never feels good <laughs> you know, uh, to feel those things. And uh, it's just a process that you have to get to or go through in order to get yourself to that place. 
and it's it's wonderful and terrible all at the same time. But I would say that's the that's one of the challenges, uh, you know, in doing an emotional piece like that. Right. And what would you say in regards to um, right now where you stand? Is there a, a particular role that you have not yet played that you would like to sometime be able to play in the near future? Um. Yeah, you know, I just recently got hooked on the show Lost, and uh, I'd never watched it before. My wife and I are are, are checking them all out on DVD, and uh, I'm really sort of uh, kind of uh, interested in in, in being sort of like the hero type thing. I've never done that before, and I know it would be a challenge, and I think it would be a lot of fun to be able to do it, so. Oh, wow. Definitely interesting. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, we'll Yvonne, definitely uh, be looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny, Yvonne. Thank you very much for uh, you know for calling in, Yvonne. We appreciate you uh, talking to Mr. Anthony Tyler Quinn. And as always, you're welcome on the Pure Gold Airwaves. Just uh, give us a call back uh, on our next show. Thank you so much. Have a pleasant evening. Thank you, Anthony. All right, you too. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And we also have another caller uh, joining us on the air. We have Nikki from Patterson. Nikki, you are on the air with Pure Gold and Mr. Anthony Tyler Quinn. Hello, everyone. God bless you. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> Can you hear me? How are you, Nikki? Yeah, you sound good. I'm good. How are you? Good, good. I have two questions. Um, I want to know what inspired you to start acting and who were some actors that really encouraged you to continue acting? Oh, gosh. What inspired me? Um, movies uh, inspired me when I was a kid. All the movies that I watched and the actors that Paul Newman and Robert Redford, all of those guys that lit up the big screen. Robert Duvall was always one of my favorite people. And uh, just the visual medium of film, when you see something that really impacts you or you watch a performance, a particular actor... Um, I, re- I remember I was I was pretty affected by Richard Harris when he played King Arthur in Camelot, uh, mm-hmm. and I just remembered what a what a wonderful magical feeling it was to be affected by uh, some individual playing a character, and then you, for, like I said, it's kind of a calling thing. You just kind of just pick it up and you do it, and that's what you want to do. Uh, so that inspired me uh, to want to do that. And uh, you know the other actors uh, that have that have kind of inspired me to keep going are just some of the people that you've worked with in the past. You know, you um, I remember early on when I was uh, you know a younger actor, I got a chance to audition with Jeff Bridges for a film that he was doing because uh, we had the same manager at the time, and, they, and my manager called me in to read with Jeff. And I just remember thinking, okay, Jeff, here's here's a guy. That's you know he's in the big leagues. I mean this is this is Jeff Bridges. So to be able to hold my own with a guy like Jeff Bridges and have him look at me and tell me I did a great job, it certainly inspires you to keep going because you think you have what it takes in order to keep going. You know. So just a word from somebody like that is just something that uh, you know that really makes you feel pretty good. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you for the call. We uh, we greatly appreciate it. As always, uh, like I told Yvonne, you're welcome on the Pure Gold Airways at any time. Um, JB? Anthony, I just want to thank you for coming on to the show. It was truly a pleasure. I want to wish you the very best of luck, very best of luck and continued success. Uh, you're always welcome to come back onto our show if you wish. And uh, before I let you go um, and let DG take it from here, I just want to ask, um, how can fans uh, reach you or follow you? Um, they can. I think they can keep track with me uh, on Facebook if they want to. Uh, I'm, I'm on. I'm on Facebook. Uh, you know, if you want to look me up and check me out, uh, you can always go to imdb.com and sort of type in my name, Anthony Tyler Quinn, and uh, my page will come up, and you can kind of keep track of me that way. Uh, it's always nice to be stalked electronically. <laughs> <laughs> That's some good stuff right there. That's some good stuff. Hopefully one day we'll get yeah, to the point sure. where people will stalk us electronically. Of course. That's <laughs> the way to do it. It's funny but because... No, I appreciate uh, you guys having me on the show. It's been a pleasure talking with you. 
Yeah. No, thank you very much, Anthony. And it's funny because that's actually how I looked up all the information about you on IMDb. So it's funny you mentioned that. But uh, we greatly appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Um, it's about what seven thirty over there, so you can, uh, you know, go do what you got to do in California and be warm. Uh, thank you very much, and, and hopefully we'll have you on again someday. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Anytime. All right, Anthony. Take care and uh, much continued success, folks. That was Mr. Anthony Tyler Quinn. Actor extraordinaire. Like he said, you can stalk him electronically if you check him out on IMDb. Um, you can also check him out on Facebook, Anthony Tyler Quinn, folks. And speaking of that, that this interview with Mr. Quinn was brought to you by JB. That's right, DG. This interview was brought to you by DRG Designs. Do you need a company logo? How about a flyer for your next big event? Do you have an idea? Well, we can make it a reality. For your graphic design needs, please call DRG Designs at 973-588-7572. Once again, that number is 973-588-7572. And when you call, please mention Pure Gold. Speaking of ads, folks, our sports update and what we're about to get into with Todd's Take are brought to you by Executive Business Machines. You have a copier printer, fax machine, a computer, or heck, if you're a dinosaur, maybe even a typewriter and you need it to be repaired, if you do, call Executive Business Machines at 201-797-9400. They are located in Elmwood Park, New Jersey. EBM is a family-owned and operated business now for over 50 years where they specialize in service, sales, and supplies on all office equipment. Once again, call Executive Business Machines at 201 201- 797-9400 and if you mention Pure Gold you will get 20% off your order folks it's a great honor and a great privilege to introduce once again with our sports update Mr. TJ Todd Johnstone Todd take it away good evening everybody and thank you for listening to Pure Gold tonight in local action the New Jersey Devils have rallied back in overtime to win 2-1 over Toronto Los Angeles has dropped one in overtime to Pittsburgh Penguins. Pittsburgh is starting to pull it back together. Said the kid will actually start playing some games again. Buffalo has also rallied back in overtime to beat Florida. Carolina has uh, no. I'm sorry. Philadelphia is leading Carolina two to one. And the good news is the Islanders have also rallied back and won four three in the shootout. So some good news for your Islander fans out there. Woo! The bad news. <laughs> the bad news is that the Lakers are leading the Boston Celtics. The Celtics oh, no. are fighting back, but the Lakers are leading. <laughs> Fourth quarter, oh, here we go. Four left to play. The Phoenix <laughs> Suns are just tearing up the Golden State Warriors seven seventy-five to fifty-one in the third quarter with five forty-five left to play and Denver and Dallas are about to tip off. Jimmy? Thank you, TJ. But before we let you go, it is now time, folks, for Todd's Take. Take it away. So today the NFLPA tried to uh, garner some, uh, some favor with the public by having a Ford Field beer vendor speak about the effect of a lockout on the local economy. Uh, at a national press conference that was held in Washington, D.C. Damar Smith, in my opinion, who, by the way, is one shady-looking character when you see him uh, cruising the sidelines at games, he's playing politics here. Uh, This is dirty pool as far as I'm concerned, Mr. Smith. It's difficult to garner sympathy for millionaires who play games for a living, but this type of nonsense only works in politics. Football fans like myself are not fooled. Uh, In day two of planned negotiations, uh, the NFL has pulled out, literally. The NFL has also uh, confirmed that a scheduled meeting for Tuesday in Philadelphia has also been canceled by the exalted grand poobah of the NFL, Mr. Roger Goodell. An NFL (laughs) spokesman was quoted as saying, despite the inaccurate characterizations of the Wednesday meeting, out of respect to the to the collective bargaining process and our negotiating partner, we have decided that we are going to conduct negotiations with the union in private, end quote. So they're going to keep us hanging on just a little bit longer. Quite frankly, folks, I don't think that the Players Association is 
Players Association has a has a leg to stand on here. I think that the time of the spoiled athletes making millions of dollars for playing a game is coming to an end. Uh, the NFLPA wants a a deal for their rookie quarterbacks, or not just quarterbacks, their rookie players, to earn a four-year contract, you know, regular pay for four years, the way things have always been. And the NFL, what they want is a five-year wage scale. Now, you tell me what's the right thing to do. The NFLPA is saying, well, by cutting contracts down from six years to four years, you'll be saving money. But the NFL wants to save money right out of the gate. I don't know what side everybody falls on this, but you can consider yourself taken. Todd, as always, a pleasure. Um, obviously, when people and organizations like the NFL are, you know, squabbling about billions of dollars and had divided amongst the owners and the and the players, obviously fans like us always get upset. So um, it's no surprise that you know the meetings were canceled. It's obviously a you know a stall move, and you know this probably won't get settled. This this uh, CBA probably won't get settled right up until March 4th, I think that's a deadline, or maybe a little bit even later than that. What do you think? March 3rd is the deadline. I think that the owners and the uh, the NFL will not let this go past March 4th. Do they stand to lose millions, maybe even billions of dollars? Perhaps, but who are the real losers here are the fans. We're the ones who buy the jerseys. We're the ones who buy the tickets. We're the ones who buy beard from this guy at the uh, – the concessions in Ford Field are saying that he's he's going to be losing hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in lost wages. Well, I mean, a beer is $12. How much is he possibly losing? Multiply that by 80,000 fans. <laughs> you want me to feel sorry for you? Please. Good point. And, Thanks, and since, Todd, before you go, are you still there? I am still here. Before you go, uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about it with you. Um, just want to also get your take on um, what did you think about Super Bowl 45 in general? Um, yeah, just give us any thought that you had about that. And I just wanted to let you know. You know, I want I didn't get to ask you on Tuesday, but I want to ask you now. For me, that Super Bowl couldn't have turned out any better. It was a very enjoyable game to watch, halftime aside. But the <laughs> yeah, game itself, it was a, it was a great game to watch. Uh, it turned out exactly as I hoped it would for two reasons. Uh, normally, I would vote or root for an AFC team. Being a fan of an AFC team myself, my alliances usually fall there. But there was a line drawn in the stands. My hatred for Brett Favre and his legacy caused me to root for an NFC team, his former NFC team. Aaron Rodgers won the Super Bowl. He won the NFL VP, MVP and did something that Brett Favre couldn't do. All right, so five years we put him in the Hall of Fame. Two years he gets his jersey retired, and inside of a decade we never have to hear his name ever again. Thank God. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely a, a plus to that. Um, I'm just like you, sick of Brett Favre, and I'm sure you a little more so because he was a Jet for a year, and you know we know how that turned out. Eight and four, yeah, goodbye. There goes that eight and eight. But Todd. We appreciate, as always, your uh, your take and your sports update. It was a pleasure, and we will talk to you on Tuesday, sir. Thank you, folks. Good night, sir. Okay, that was that was Todd. Todd's take. TJ, the newest member of the Pure Gold team. JB, do you have any uh, nuggets for us, sir? Um, I got a few um, in random order. Um, actually, just today, I was very surprised to hear this in the NBA. Um, a one Mr. Jerry Sloan, the coach of the Utah Jazz for the last 23 years, uh, basically quit mid-season, and um, that raises a lot of questions to me anyway about why would somebody retire mid-season. And speculation was that he wasn't getting along with his star player, Darren Williams. But uh, yeah, a yeah. class act a class act in Jerry Sloan retiring um, I saw his press conference uh, right before we came on the air. Um, I, all I could say is that he's a great coach, and uh, he seems like to be a great guy. Uh, NBA will definitely miss him. The Utah Jazz will definitely miss him. And uh, DG, uh, he actually was the longest reigning coach of the four major sports. He had uh, you know, coached for 23 consecutive seasons. Yeah, when I saw it today, I was surprised because I remember Jerry Sloan 
um, you know, coaching the uh, the Jazz back in the day when they had Carl Malone and John Stockton, and they're always a perennial contender for the title. Um, that definitely threw me for a loop because I'm thinking, man, this guy was there for 23 years, and all of a sudden he got the boot. You know, I was I was definitely surprised to say the least. All right, and then um, you know, a couple more nuggets as we roll along here on Pure Gold. Um, what do you think about this, DG? I mean, they had talked about it earlier in the week, and now it's obviously been uh, not talked about as much because, and we'll get into this last nugget, we'll talk about Mark Sanchez as one of my final nuggets, but um, what do you think about Mark Cuban? I, I've always been a big um, believer that Mark Cuban is one of the better owners in all sports. Um, what do you think about potentially having him own a piece of the New York Mets? Well, JB, um you know, Mark Cuban is the type of guy that I would love to have as an owner for the team because he's passionate. I mean, he's a bit, you know, he could be a bit over the top, but, you know, he's he's very much the type of guy who's passionate, who loves his team, who wants to get involved, who's tried to win. You know, he's tried to get into everything, but, uh, you know, I'd love it, folks. I would love it. I'd love it if he was the owner of the Mets. I heard Mike today talking about this whole legal situation and they're trying to get hoes for all this money and, JB, I don't know where this is going to turn out or what is going to happen here. And as a fan, I'm not a huge fan of the Wolfpons, but I have to admit I'm a little bit nervous because I don't know how this is going to end up, and I don't know if this is going to end up good for us as fans or, uh, you know, the Mets organization in general, JB. Yeah, as fans of uh, any sport, all you want is a good owner that's going to put a productive or a competitive product on the field that's always going to contend and it's going to spend money. Obviously, the owner wants to make a profit, but yeah. after they make the profit, you you want a team that is always competitive and is always contending. So uh, I know Mark Cuban does a great job with the Dallas Mavericks. So, Mark Cuban, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on the show, talk about the Mets, and hopefully you know, you could you know, eventually own the entire team, which would be great for us because we know that you definitely put a great product on the field. So, Mark Cuban, if you're hearing us, um, you know, come on to Pure Gold. We could definitely talk, and then we could definitely relay the message to the Met organization that you want to own the team the right way. And then yeah, one of my last, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Go. No, no, go, go. No, ahead. one of my last nuggets is about Mark Sanchez. I mean, I mean, what can you say about Mark Sanchez? He's dating a 17-year-old, and I mean, that's probably one of the last things you needed to hear as a Jet fan. Not only do they not make it to the Super Bowl. But now the Jets are in the spotlight again and negatively once again uh, for, you know, obviously Mark Sanchez dating a 17-year-old. While it's legal and all, but, you know, the guy's out of college. He's now a professional football player, and he's dating somebody that's in high school still or about to graduate. So, you know, there's many different issues on uh, that I have with that, obviously. But I just want to end with two quick jokes and tell me what you think about this, Gigi. Mark Sanchez should not be dating somebody – whose only source of income is da- is babysitting Antonio Cromartie's seven illegitimate kids. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if they're – are they all illegitimate, JB? I'm not really sure about that, but uh, uh, that's definitely – That's not the uh, point. That's not the, that's not the point. Right, that was a joke. <laughs> no, I know. My, I know last one, with you. <laughs> my last one is Mark Sanchez should not be dating somebody who you have to actually make the sound of an airplane to open their mouth. JB, as always, good stuff, classic, just business and you. I call that pure crap, uh, by the way. I call that pure crap. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think that was more of a just babbling part of uh, of just business and JB. But, uh, you know, I wasn't sure if you were going to talk about that, uh, if we were going to get into the whole Mark Sanchez thing, but I read that in the paper and I shook my head. And I saw people saying that, you know, she's 17 and apparently that's a consenting age, but this guy's 24 years old. He's an adult, grown man out of college, you know, a zillionaire. What in the world could he? What interest could he possibly have in, uh, you know, in, in dating a high school girl? Not only that, I mean, as a youth minister, half the girls in the youth ministry are, are that age, you know. And I would, I would have a serious issue if a 24-year-old guy, somebody who's a couple years younger than me, is going to come to one of the girls in my group and say, "Hey, baby, uh, you know, let's go out." Let's say no. When I was in high school, Joe. I had a I had an issue with girls my age dating guys that age, and I've never understood it. Never understood the fascination from the man's point of view, because I mean, dude, you're 24. Go out with a 21 year old, 22 year old, you know, get a sugar mama, do something, but don't go after a 17 year old, JB. Could you imagine if uh, 
you know, Sabrina's a teenager and she's dating a guy like that. How would you react, sir? I knew you were going to go there with Sabrina and me. And, you know, I'm definitely, uh, I might be only 33, but I'm definitely old-fashioned. Obviously, I'm going to have double, I'm going to have a double standard point of view. Obviously, if I had a son that was about the same age, I, I wouldn't have any problem with, obviously, him going out with a bunch of friends. But I would always, like, you know, I'd probably object to my daughter going out with some 24-year-old if she was 17. Uh, it's just wrong, like I said, on many levels. Um just thinking about it, you know, makes me lose even more hair that's on top of my head, and uh, I think I'm going to die. I'm going to die young if you're going to make me start thinking about stuff like that, DJ. All right, JP, let's uh, let's switch the topic. Let's get on to some happier things, or some different things, as it were. Uh, I was reading uh, IGN.com, right, and this uh, this goes out to all you uh, movie buffs, uh, Superman fans. Um, According to what I read, Zack Snyder, who is the director of Superman, you know, famous for uh, 300 and, uh, and Watchmen and some other movies, he's casting an actress that's going to play the role of Ursa. JB, if you're familiar with the Superman movies, Ursa was uh, General Zod's number two, the female counterpart in Superman 2. And there was three of them, uh, it was Zod, Ursa, and I forget the other dude's name, but, um, you know, she she would be the the I guess one of the main female characters, the female lead in terms of the you know villain, not Lois or anything. But there's some rumors going around town, up and down the grapevine, that this may be a red herring, and it's possible that they're just throwing that out there, looking for Lois Lane, but saying that it's another character. JB, any thoughts on that? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, <laughs> I don't. I'm sorry. Tell me what you think about that, DG. <laughs> I, I think it's interesting because uh, you know I have a friend who is also an avid listener of uh, Pure Gold, and he's uh, he's a big fan of Superman and the movies and stuff. And we've had some heated debate about who should play Lois Lane. I still haven't arrived at a at a suitable actress. We got into the whole thing with uh, what's her face, Anne Hathaway playing Catwoman, and you know I know how I feel about that, but. I'm not really sure because Erica Durant does such an amazing job on Smallville. I can't see anybody else playing that role. But uh, in Superman Returns, they picked uh, they picked an actress, and I, her name escapes me right now. Um, but I thought she did a Kate Bosworth. I thought she did a terrible job, and I think it's important to cast the right people in the right roles. JB, I mean, if they did a, if they did a pure gold movie in ten years, wouldn't you want the right actor to be playing JB? Oh yeah, I mean, Auntie Tyler Quinn, if you're listening, you could definitely play the role of JB. <laughs> he could play, he could play the role of JB when he's uh, you know 15 years old and then when he's also 40 years old. But uh, you there know, you uh, speaking of speaking of Anthony Tyler Quinn, you know, that was an that was a great interview. We were you know very happy to have him on. I know we got into another couple of things, but right after that, hopefully we can get Anthony on again. Uh, you know, to talk uh, chat a little bit, maybe some sports. We didn't really get into that with him. You think he's a sports fan, JB? Yeah, I was going to mention to him. Like, uh, is he watching the Lakers versus Celtics? And unfortunately, my my Celtics are about to lose. By the way, with thirty four point six seconds, they're down by eight. That sucks. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's always uh, that's always a negative when I have to hear it because you know when your teams lose, then I have to hear about it. So I always I always uh, root for your teams, just so I don't have to hear you whine and complain. But uh, our yeah. next nugget for the evening, JB, we have this is going to happen tomorrow. Pyro's not going to be on the show today, and uh, hopefully, you know. By the time he hears this, he'll have already seen it. I know he's huge on not reading spoilers, but I'm big on reading them. Um, Mr. Clay Matthews of the Green Bay Packers is going to be appearing on tomorrow night's SmackDown in the main event. He gets involved in a match between Edge and Dolph Ziggler, which is for the World Heavyweight Championship. Vicky gets knocked out at some point in the match. And then, uh, you know, Clay. I saw a clip of it on YouTube from a fan's perspective. Uh, Clay runs in with the referee shirt, counts the one, two, three, and then after the match, both he and Edge have their uh, World Heavyweight Championships holding them high in the air. They're in Green Bay. JB, give us your thoughts on that, por favor. Once again, how football and wrestling are tied in. I I must mention again to about the mystery caller telling us that wrestling is you know not relevant. Well, guess what, Mr. Clay Matthews shows up on SmackDown. And, you know, he shows up on SmackDown and, you know, does what he has to do. I guess he, he likes wrestling just like uh, Mr. Aaron Rodgers does. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting, uh, It's interesting, JB, because one thing I hate to hear, and I mean absolutely hate, is 
And no disrespect to our mystery caller, um, but when people say that wrestling is fake, and they rag on wrestling because it's fake, and they make a big deal about wrestling being fake, Joe, we know that it's rigged per se, but first of all, those guys are real athletes. They go out there, you try and go get slammed onto a mat and do a suplex and do an arm bar and do a you know, cross arm breaker and uh, you know, 100, 100 holds or whatever. The fact of the matter is that those guys are legit athletes, and yeah, they may have the finish planned out, like this person's going to win, but that's it. They don't go and choreograph move by move by move for a 20-minute match, you know, Joe? And it really annoys me because if you look about it, uh, if, you, if, you look, if you think about it, how many sports teams, and I mentioned this again from Tuesday, how many athletes don't love pro wrestling? Every time the WWE ends up in any city where there's any pro team, there's always three or four guys in the front row. Bam, big fans. They go meet everybody. Clay Matthews actually tweeted or something about having breakfast with Edge, Rey Mysterio, Chavo Guerrero, and a few other guys. Said he would be a lifelong fan. Aaron Rodgers is a fan. I remember the Chicago Blackhawks. I think it was last year. They were all carrying around the World Heavyweight Championship. The Yankees did a thing where they had a toy uh, WWE title. I think it was Johnny Damonson. I forget, a couple of years ago. But the fact is that these pro athletes that people admire that are legitimate athletes love professional wrestling. They get into it. They get involved. I mean, heck, Mark Cuban that we were talking about earlier, even he's been in the WWE programming. He's a fan. So are these guys dumb? Are we dumb for liking a sport that, okay, maybe the the finish is planned out, but everything else is legit. JB, any thoughts on that? I mean, you hit on all the points that, you know, I would say, DG. Uh, wrestling, you know, obviously we know it's staged and, you know, storylines are written. It's basically, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you, it's a male soap opera that we like to watch because of the fact that, you know, we like to watch, we like to, you know, we like competition. And, you know, although wrestling these days isn't as good as it used to be, it really was good at one time, and a lot of people were into it. I mean, when you look at the ratings during the, the late 90s, DG, you see that there was a lot of people that watched wrestling, even if they were uh, closet wrestling fans, they still watched you know, at that at that time, JB, there weren't even a lot of closet wrestling fans. I remember you and I used to get together for pay-per-views. I mean, how many of us were there? Six, seven, eight? Everybody we knew liked wrestling. All our buddies liked wrestling. My brother was into it. Um, every Everybody at the youth group and church and people that I knew, I'm talking like it was so mainstream. The wrestlers, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, they were all over the map appearing on Saturday Night Live and all this stuff. Mick Foley, I mean... It was it was totally taking over uh, the mainstream media, which is what it did in the 80s. Also, I mean, it, it, it's a it's not as great as it used to be, and we, we you know we kind of dump on it all the time. But I wouldn't be surprised if in a couple of years, you know what, it comes back again and people are into it, and uh, you know, it, it's another big thing. So I wouldn't be surprised about that. I definitely would not be surprised, sir. Definitely. Um, you know, JB. Do you have any other uh, nuggets or anything? I don't have a nugget per se, DG, but I just want to tell our pure gold audience a little story. Um, let's uh, let's start with the story back in 1997. I I met this kid. Um, let's let's call him a degenerate because I think that's what he that's you know that's where he was at the time. Uh, degenerate kid that worked for me at the great A and P in Clifton, New Jersey. And, you know, um, DJ, I'm trying to tell a story here. So, anyway, the, the, the kid was a cashier under me as I was a front-end manager. And, you know, the, I, I watched this kid grow up, and, you know, right before my very eyes. I've known him for about 14 years. Um, and, you know, we've gone through a lot, I mean, this uh, this guy. Uh, we've, we've actually watched wrestling shows. And we've actually – he's actually come to my house, and we were there the night Owen Hart died – We've seen weird wrestling deaths, I must say. I mean, he even came yeah. over to my house the, the night that Chris Benoit uh, was, you know, announced that he had died. Obviously, there was no information at the time. So we've definitely, um, you know, seen a lot of wrestling ups and downs. And uh, as, you know, in general, his life has had a, a lot of ups and downs. I mean, I've seen this guy at the very low, the very, you know, the very bottom of the pit, and, you know, I would always – you know, not counsel him, but as a friend, just talk to him online and occasionally over the phone. Um, and I've seen him, you know, become this great guy with the, you know, the the faith that he has in God, um, and with the help of Pastor Ramirez, 
Yes, Pastor Ramirez, we'd love to have you on the show, by the way. And, um, you know, he's. I think this, this gentleman has come full circle. And uh, last February, February 13th, uh, he actually married the love of his life. Um, and, you know, the person that I'm talking about is actually my partner, uh, DG. DG, I just want to wish you a, on the air a very happy and healthy first anniversary for you two and wish you the best of health and success, obviously, with your life, and uh, God bless you. Thank you, sir. It's uh, it's much appreciated. At first, when you said a degenerate cashier, I thought maybe you were talking about Danny or uh, or uh, Alvaro, as he was known back in the uh, you know the days of uh, of AMP, or maybe even Chris Jones, who who may be listening right now. But uh, you know, I really appreciate that. Um, as a matter of fact, yesterday was the two year anniversary of my first date with my uh, my wife, uh, you know, my girlfriend at the time, obviously. Um, and the fact is that uh, it's definitely been an interesting ride. It's been a great ride. It's been a blessing, and, uh, you know, I'm very much uh, a blessed man to have my wife, you know, stay by my side and put up with PG and uh, do everything that she does and support us the way that she does. And Sunday is, uh, is her birthday, number 28, and it is a one-year wedding anniversary, and Monday is Valentine's Day, so everything is kind of wrapped up into one, and, uh, you know, it's definitely going to be uh, an interesting weekend, and we're going to go out and, uh, you know, have fun and celebrate and do everything. So, JB, I thank you for that. It's uh, definitely much, much appreciated. Um, you know, we actually have one more person that we would like to, to uh, get on the air, and uh, I know we said that we weren't going to have this person, but apparently he is on Mr. Pyro Falcon on Fire with Pyro. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, guys. Uh, nice story, by the way. It's uh, kind <laughs> of good to hear you guys, uh, you know, give a little bit of yourselves out on the air, too. Well, I wasn't expecting that for sure. I didn't think JB was going <laughs> to was gonna out me like that. But, you know, I mean, he he can be a nice guy sometimes when he wants to be. Sometimes. So, sir, um, yeah, um, I'm not sure if you... Cause I, uh, uh, I wound up uh, tuning in after all. Um, uh, I wound up having too much college work, I thought, but I wound up getting it all done, and I managed to uh, catch most of your show today, so I figured I'd chime in once I heard my name drop. Okay, uh, so let me ask you, did you hear the nugget that I dropped that was a spoiler for tomorrow's show? I heard. Um, it's interesting. Uh, I, I really don't have anything to say about it yet because I want to see the execution of it on SmackDown. Um, but, you know, every time they've done any sort of tie-in with uh, wrestling and sports before, it's worked. I mean, uh, way back, uh, I remember WrestleMania, what was it, 10, when uh, Bam Bam Bigelow took on Lawrence Taylor. And, uh, you know, that was actually... 11, really WrestleMania pass. 11. Wasn't, uh, that was 11? Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it, it was a pretty hot match, and, uh, you know, I mean, obviously it wasn't technically sound, so to speak. Yeah. But it was a crowd pleaser, and LT, if I remember right, did a splash off the top rope, which was, you know, pretty interesting to see. So, you know, um, and, and, you know, if they're in Green Bay, it's a nice way to pop the crowd and get everyone into it, and it's pretty sweet to see. Um, I was actually mainly calling because of your uh, – little mini rant that you were giving about uh, defending wrestling, which was kind of cool to me. Um, you said many of the same things I've said before. Uh, and what what strikes me as interesting is uh, pro wrestling fans like us tend to be um, dismissed or uh, derided in media or, you know, just, you know, it, it's like there are a lot of people who actively dislike wrestling fans. They call it a joke and all that just because it's yeah, yeah. fake, so to speak. But, you know, by the same token, the thing is, mo what people don't realize is, and what I've been trying to explain to people for years, is that with pro wrestling, it's um, no different than any other medium where you cheer for a guy who's not actually in a fight. You know, I mean, like, for example, just to take a really popular show, you've got 24. Nobody actually thinks Keith Sutherland is uh you know, in in danger of losing his life, and he's having all these shootouts. You know, no one in yeah, yeah, uh, no Trekkie actually thinks Picard is going to be you know getting phasered. And, and it all comes down to just you know enjoying the fiction and enjoying the story, and you know getting into the excitement of it. No one expects the real um, 
you know, no no one really thinks any of this fictional stuff is happening. You just lose yourself in it. And that's why I've never understood why uh, pro wrestling gets such a bad rap from people since it's just yet another form of storytelling. You know, that's exactly a point that I've made many times. And, and, you know, Joe and I talk about this off the air. But it actually annoys me. I mean, sometimes I feel a little embarrassed because people, oh, you like wrestling? Like I'm the scum of the earth because I'm a wrestling fan. And, you know, there have been times I've tried to stop being a wrestling fan. And it's just something, it's in my blood. I've I've liked it almost my entire life. But you mentioned 24. I love that show. Um... That's a perfect example. Any acting, anything that we watch, you watch Rocky, you root for Rocky, any of that other than mixed martial arts and, you know, professional sports like football, baseball, everything else is rigged. It's all acting. It's all fake. People cry because somebody is portraying a role of somebody that they're not on TV and it makes them cry when somebody dies and blah, 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 and I'm so sad. That's not real, but it strikes an emotional chord with you. I don't sit there and cry when Shawn Michaels, you know, won the the title at WrestleMania 12. But huge Shawn Michaels fan, great moment. You get pumped up, you know, when he was retired last year. Joe and I are watching it, and you know, we were sad because you spend your life with this person, so to speak. And it, it really annoys me because, like you said, it, it's like we're not legit. We like wrestling, so exactly, we're to be dismissed. Right. You know, we're, we're to be dismissed, and I think it's a crock because everything else, other than professional sports. The couple that people watch, it's all rigged, it's all acting, and it's all fake. You know, it's not real. I was watching something today on uh, something with uh, Susan Lucci from uh, All My Children. She was on Oprah or something. It was on Yahoo. And, uh, you know, she got emotional when she won the Emmy for the first time after, like, 19 nominations. It's, it's an award she got for a fake role. Does that dismiss her ability as an actress? No. And I, I'm glad you chimed in on it because... I know Joe and I feel that way, but it's nice to know that we're not the only ones. Yeah, I was uh, actually going to just let it go, but once you started going on uh, that train of thought, I just I had to chime in because like, it's, it's one of the things I've been trying to defend since I got into wrestling oh, 15 years ago or however long it's been. So, And I didn't want to let yeah. it go because my memory stinks and I probably wouldn't remember next week. <laughs> yeah. JB, any thoughts? Um. Not about wrestling, Pyro, but uh, how devastated are you being a Pittsburgh Steelers fan to lose the Super Bowl? <laughs> you know what's really bad? What's really bad? No, no. I hate to admit this on the air, but you guys are going to love this. Um, toward the end of it, I was actually rooting against Pittsburgh, and I'll tell you why. Believe it or not, this has everything to do with Kurt Warner. He wound up appearing on um, Pardon the Interruption, which is pretty much the only sports show I watch on ESPN since Sports Center has become a joke. And um, Kurt yeah, Warner definitely. had this interview with uh, the host, and he said that uh, winning a championship is a really special thing. It's a special feeling. It's a special moment in your life. And this class of Steelers have had it twice. And he said, so maybe we should have someone step aside and, you know, get someone else to have it. And, of course, he qualified that by saying maybe I'm just bitter because Pittsburgh beat us two years ago. But, uh, um, you know, I I sort of thought about that, and I'm like, you know, that's true. Um, Dynasties are okay, but it's nice to see, you know, parity in the league, as the NFL likes to say. And, you know, it was a great moment for Aaron Rodgers. Roethlisberger's been there twice. He doesn't need another one. And, you know, he's already legit. Um, And then the other thing is, after all the stupid crap that Ben Roethlisberger has done, uh, it's, you know, he's on record as saying – Things like, um, oh, well, he once had an interview before the season started, I found the other day, where he says, um, I used to think that if I had just won a couple Super Bowls, I could do anything I wanted, but I've grown up since then. I've learned better. But, re- but that sounded exactly like what he said back when he first had his problems. Um, you, you know, when he uh, kissed a windshield going at 60 miles an hour because he was an idiot. Um, I remember uh, he was interviewed in the hospital, and he said, uh, I'm never going to ride a motorcycle again. And then a few weeks later, he said, no, no, I'm just never going to ride at night again. And then a few weeks later, he said, no, no, I'm just not going to ride at night without a helmet again. And and it's like he kept qualifying <laughs> it, and he just, you know, he, he's, he doesn't learn his lesson. He's great on the field, and, you know, I'm – especially after the Chris Benoit incident, I, I have the mentality to separate a person's uh, professional life 
from their personal life. And Roethlisberger's a good quarterback, but he's personally kind of a douche. And so I sort of like, you know, if he wins a third championship, especially after two sexual harassment allegations and all this, you know, it it just sort of he probably will think that he's this entitled athlete that, you know, nobody likes. Nobody likes entitled athletes. And it's always nice to see guys like Carol Owens and um, Chad Ochocinco or Johnson or whatever he's going by this week get knocked off their pedestal. And uh, so as much as I wanted Pittsburgh to win, I'm like, you know, Roethlisberger's kind of a jerk, so I'm kind of glad he didn't. And plus, uh, Green Bay didn't just, you know, stumble into the victory. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was on his game there. Uh, both sides of the Packers' ball, they were able to roll with all the injuries and all the penalties and everything. And I, I don't know, it was uh, a really good game. And you know, it's like I, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm bummed the Steelers lost, but I'm proud for the Packers. So, you know, no complaints. Amazing yeah, life. definitely. Definitely some some uh, good thoughts there, Pyro. And it's interesting because this is the first time on the air, at least, we've ever gotten into anything other than wrestling. But we definitely appreciate you chiming in. And hopefully uh, next Thursday we'll be able to get on with a regular On Fire with Pyro segment where we can talk about Raw and, um, you know, whatnot in the upcoming pay-per-view and, you know, some, some interesting things. We're actually going to have a, a guest on Tuesday uh, a local sports radio personality, Evan Roberts, we're going to be focusing on wrestling because he's a big wrestling fan and doesn't get to do it on his show. So I know you do NXT on Tuesday, but it should be interesting. But uh, we appreciate you, you uh, checking in, Pyro. And like I said, hopefully next Thursday we'll be able to get back with our regular On Fire with Pyro segment. Definitely. All right, guys. Thanks. Have a good one. All right, man. You too. Take care. JB? Well, before we wrap up the show, DG, I just want to give out a special thank you to our loyal listeners, and I know there's two that I really want to mention right now because one is in uh, a lot of pain with her back. That's Jen. Thanks for listening. And the other person who has a lot of homework and doing, you know, just decide to listen to us, a dedicated listener, Tenacious Tenacious T, Tina, thank you for listening. And DG, I'm sure you want to thank everyone else. So have a great weekend, have a happy anniversary, and I'll talk to you Tuesday. Thank you, sir. Much appreciated. Folks, next Tuesday, February 15th, as I just finished mentioning, we will have the one and only co-host of the WFN Midday Show, Mr. Evan Roberts. He will be joining us. Evan is a huge wrestling fan. We'll be discussing the Royal Rumble, the Elimination Chamber, uh, which is happens to be next Sunday, which should be interesting. And also, of course, the uh, upcoming WrestleMania, um, you know, along with his thoughts on the state of the Mets. Should be some more details revealed about that by the time we get here on Tuesday as far as what's going to happen with the Mets. Um, it's going to be another one of our can't-miss interviews, so tune in for that one week from last Tuesday, not from today. And also next Thursday, we'll have Mr. John Paul Gonzalez joining us from the Group 4-1 John Paul was an NCAA first-team All-American, and he also played in the NBA Summer League. He's going to be sharing with us what he's up to these days after his uh, career has you know, uh, come to an end per se, but he's moved on to some other things uh, in his ministry and whatnot. He's going to talk to us what 4-1 is all about. That is, unfortunately, all the time we have for today, folks. Special thanks to Mr. Anthony Tyler Quinn for a wonderful interview. Thanks to our callers as well. Uh, we greatly appreciate Yvonne and Nikki for chiming in. And as always, they're welcome back. And any of you folks, the loyal listeners, are welcome back. I would like to thank Todd for our sports update, Fitz, our producer, and, of course, Kelly, our board op. Remember to tune in next Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And before I close out, let me just thank DRG Designs and, of course, Executive Business Machines for sponsoring our interview tonight and, of course, sponsoring Todd's Take. For JB, this is DG of Pure Gold reminding you to always keep it PG. Good night, everyone.